Welcome to Escaping Purgatory, a podcast where we rewatch Supernatural, then talk it through in the hopes that we can finally escape this show. Join us each week, leave comments on upcoming episodes, and together we can escape Supernatural Purgatory. Or maybe... With friends! <laughs> <laughs> and about my brain hurts. Mine, mine too. There were moments in this that my brain was like... Kaboom. Yeah. And a literal headache started. I was like, <laughs> this is this is too much. This is too much. So we said with friends, we better introduce that we actually do have a friend on the podcast. <laughs> That's true. Your imaginary friend. <laughs> what? I hear her voice now. <laughs> so yes, we have uh, Charlie back on with us. Ooh. Is this the first episode of season four you've been on? It is because I felt like I didn't want to overstay my welcome. Oh, so, no, that's rubbish. impossible. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I, I should ask for one for the season. <laughs> I mean, you chose a doozy. I was watching this earlier and I don't know how we're going to fit this one in. Oh, there's, there's too much. There's just the foreshadowing. Even, Everything. Even the title of this episode. Just even the title. <laughs> always, always been the title. I was... I kept pausing to write notes and then I realized it had been like an hour and I wasn't a third of the way through the episode. (laughs) I know I was doing the same thing and I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just gonna let it play. Scribbled stuff down when I can and just hope (laughs) that like going through the transcript is gonna help. Yeah, it's gonna help. (laughs) So yeah, we're talking about season four, episode 18, the monster at the end of this book. (laughs) I can't with it. (laughs) <laughs> the foreshadowing Annabelle <laughs> I know I know okay so be- maybe before we even start the the monster in the room <laughs> you're watching this episode and we are trying to evaluate whether Chuck was always Chuck or yes. whether Chuck was um, right. a writer as Rob Benedict had said he thought that he had just been a writer and then at some point Spoilers, God replaced him. <laughs> right. I don't think so. I thought that was the theory going in. After watching this, I'm like, no, no, there's no way. No. They might have just wanted to keep it, like, keep it from him that he was God just because he might play it differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it would be a bigger reveal at the end. But no, there was there was just stuff in here that I was like, you, you can see the end game Chuck in him. So Still. You, you, do mm-hmm. you think that the intention was always then for them to write Chuck as God later on? Do you think that was the intention rather than a prophet? I do. So I do. Okay, he's he's always been Kripke, right? We can get that out of the way. Yes. <laughs> um, he's always been the writer. I think that the end of season five was always the intention. Yeah. I can't speak to you know, 10 and 11 and, and 14 and 15, <laughs> which we have feels that will come up. But I think the end of season five was was always in the back of Kripke's mind. Yeah. Writing this. I'm with, I'm with Rob Benedict on, you know, when they initially wrote Chuck, I think he was intended to be a prophet, which yes, a Kripke analog. But they magically wrote it in such a way, which they kind of sometimes... I say sometimes they do a lot with supernatural that it works now and you can find a theory around it that chuck was always god it, it, it makes sense like even the things he says in this episode my personal theory <laughs> <laughs> because we might as well just go because we don't know is that yeah chuck was always god but he for some reason lols decided to 
basically mind wipe himself kind of it's a terrible lifestyle and then regains those later on that's my hot take that's my theory he keeps his god powers because of the writing yeah i think i think that's what i don't think he's aware of being god until later okay i i disagree with you i think some of this some of this will come up there's like four literary references in this in this episode that five there's five literary references in this episode that'll come up and we'll maybe add into the discussion but what drives me nuts is that we know rob didn't know because sometimes he's acting and okay he doesn't know and sometimes he just feels like the villain he feels like he's manipulating someone else in the situation and i don't know if it's direction or if it's editing but i can't believe rob didn't know and it feels like he played that (laughs) i wonder if they like maybe have hinted not that he would be god but that he wasn't always necessarily the good guy because the good guys being like angels and everything aren't really any better than anybody else in this series so Mm -hmm. like being a prophet doesn't necessarily make you a good person yeah so he might have like in this version of chuck say he um rob did play him thinking he was completely a prophet but he could still not have been a good person throughout his whole life right Mm. i think it it comes with the fact that i I don't know if chuck sees himself as a prophet for like a really long time in this episode and and going on he still sees himself as a creator so he still Mm -hmm. thinks that he's responsible for what's happened to them (laughs) i mean he is but like (laughs) go with my like he didn't wasn't aware he was god theory he would still come across as like kind of a dick because (laughs) because he thinks he's he's created these bad situations Mm-hmm. He has these conversations with Sam, especially, where if you see him as Chuck the writer, rather than as, as Chuck God, we need to like come up with covers, <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, he's analyzing his character and maybe, I don't know if Kripke's process involves talking to himself and, and talking to the character, <laughs> that he's, his imaginary friend, Dean and Sam, but it's, it's, it's like a psychoanalyst session that he mm-hmm. has with Sam. Yeah, I mean, I love that it still ask, like it gets us to ask these questions later on. I don't know if this is one of the myster- mysteries of Supernatural. <laughs> Why are there mysteries? Um, there are many that we're ever gonna <laughs> ever gonna solve. <laughs> Tell our book when. Yeah. With some of our theories, should we start getting into the episode and like yeah. see how they play out? I, I I don't even know how to interject in this. So I've got so much to say. I'll just I'll just put my hand up. Let's do hands up. <laughs> <laughs> so much one thing that i will say i love the fact that there wasn't a recap in this yes it was it felt like a completely new story Mm -hmm. and it kind Mm -hmm. of is so we get nothing we just get like this man having flashes of sam and dean in situations if you're watching this for the first time you're like who's this dude think dream i mean going back to last week's episode with them with sam having these weird dreams and then we have this random dude having weird dreams about them too you're like what's going on here <laughs> if it's the first time you're watching this episode you would think he was one of the special children or the mm. psychics oh that's true it was exactly it was the same effects and sounds and mm-hmm. that's very true i didn't the- put those together there was our recap, though. We were just seeing seeing uh, Chuck's images. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I think they were all from this episode. Mm-hmm. They're flash forward recaps? Fla- <laughs> 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 I have to address the elephant in the room and how attractive I find Rob Benedict. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) Even as Chuck and even in this episode, huh? Even even as Chuck. He's stumbling and drunk and... Yep. I don't know what it is. I don't know. And that man just gets better with age. And um, I hope he never listens to this podcast because, yeah. <laughs> I think the part of this is, and I, I said this at the end of the last episode, Rob um, Benedict was the very first actor from Supernatural that I got an autograph from and met. And he was so nice. <laughs> and so lovely. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Even in this episode, looking sickly in a dressing gown. Don't know what it is. <laughs> you just like broken men apparently on tv i mean we're watching supernatural <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, I i say it now so i don't keep saying it through the episode but just you need to know so you're going to keep that. saying it through the episode. <laughs> <laughs> in special special moments of the episode yeah <laughs> they go immediately from chuck having visions to the first easter egg of the episode did you notice that the easter egg focus and i went okay i have to look this up I have to look up this comic book. Okay, no, I didn't look up the comic books. I imagined that, like, Kripke had placed them there. You know, he's a, he is a bit of a comic nerd. So the first one is called The Champions of Hell, number one, The Threshold. And it's a comic book series where a protagonist named Sam is convinced by a demon that he's the son of Satan. <laughs> And he's expected to lead Hell's army against the army of heaven. And he has to stop the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And there's something about being the sword of Satan and becoming an enemy of hell. Yeah, he, he did that one on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> then he takes that, that issue away and behind it is the second issue where Sam agrees to become the champion of hell, realizes that's a mistake and has to rebel against the devil. Just laying out the plot of like the end of, up to the end of season five it's fine. Yep, yep. That, that was... So he read this and then was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to make this story happen too. (laughs) With a brother. Later on, he gets the power to resurrect the dead and meets the son of Satan. (laughs) What's the next episode again? (laughs) (laughs) They didn't plan Jack, but when was that kid Jesse? I mean, yeah, we'll get to Jesse. (laughs) he was not part of the plan he was just like this cool one-off episode yeah no i love i love that i mean that's very um, that must have been kripke it couldn't have been anybody else surely they knew where they were going with sam in season four but did they already know where they were going with season five this is my question because i've been talking a lot about or think I don't know what I'm talking about podcasts, we're just thinking it in my brain. Sometimes I can't equate the two. Um, <laughs> but there's been a lot of build up to the fact that Dean needs to be uh, possessed by Michael to the end of this apocalypse issue. So it's like, at what point, in what stages did we know where we were going with the final showdown kind of thing? Um, I think. It must be in the last episode, surely. When they introduce, like, higher-ups. I feel like I feel like there was a jump in lore from season four to season five. Um, but I, I think I think it was always the plan. I think if you look, if you're watching it back now, there's too many references. Like, Zachariah in the last episode saying, like, mm-hmm. you'll do everything you're supposed to do to Dean. And mm-hmm. it's like, hmm, what are all those things? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. There's a lot. 
and you know, I think it was planned out to the end of season five from the, from the beginning of season four. I mean, there's there's only four episodes left in the season. I know. Yeah. <laughs> look what you've done. Look what you look at all you have accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> but so I I'd imagine that even if they have no idea how they were going to get there, the wide strokes were already yeah. in place. Yeah. At least a little bit, and putting an Easter egg comic book doesn't actually marry you to doing anything true yeah but then it, they're like oh but if people look back on this and we did manage to execute our plan we're looking real smart right now <laughs> execute our plan so if chuck is crypty he's evil he's executing he's conniving yeah. and, and plan, planning a plan <laughs> so yeah they they enter a comic book store sam and dean introduce themselves as de young and shaw members of the band sticks and I, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but if I haven't, this is an actual plea to Jen Snackles himself. Can he please cover Man in the Wilderness by Styx? Because I, go and listen to that song. That is a Dean song that's never in the show. It's perfect. <laughs> just, just go listen to it. This is my recommendation of the week. The first one I've ever made. <laughs> okay, so we've established you don't want Rob to listen to this episode, but you do want Jensen to listen to this episode <laughs> so that he can take the cover recommendation. Yeah. It's, it's a Would it be song. worth it for Rob yeah. to listen to this episode if he then says, hey, Jensen, <laughs> Amy has a really good point and you need to cover the stick song. Just need to ask you a few questions. Notice anything strange in the building last couple of days? They, they're asking ghost questions, which they never solved this case. They just completely forget that there was a ghost case in this town. No, but are they only here because Chuck wrote them into oh, this no, episode? No, we can't do that. We cannot get into this because this is going to get way too much. <laughs> because, well, I mean, probably the answer is yes. Because but... we never find out why they're originally here. Yeah. And somehow they end up at this comic shop. The guy behind the counter is just sort of, at, is kind of not convinced by their questioning because sam's questioning is very blunt and like it's like he's forgotten all his subtleties over the years it's like <laughs> what about noises skittering in the walls like kind of like rats you guys are larping aren't you excuse me you're fans fans of what, what? dean doesn't know what larping is which i doubt that <laughs> at the time though it was more obscure yeah i guess so and he's not really an internet person he calls them hardcore but they're just wearing suits <laughs> yeah yeah that's kind of Sure, they're hardcore. Like, I'm pretty sure it's not that difficult. But they, if they have all the knowledge and they're like, they have the badges. They have the badges. He brings them the first issue of uh, by Carver Edlund, who is a joke on two supernatural writers. But if he thinks they're larping, why does he show them the comic? <laughs> we needed it. Plot device. <laughs> well, so I mean, at, at one point, I guess he's going to be like, oh, okay, they actually really don't know what they're doing. You know. Um, I will say, I feel like they did Edlin Dirty by giving him Carver's first name. I'm just putting it out. <laughs> <laughs> Annabelle's taking shots early. <laughs> I, wanted, I would like to actually know why they chose Carver Edlund as the author's name. That would be quite an interesting question to ask that I don't think I've have ever been asked before. Like, why not Kripke? It was a pretty meta and out there episode. So Edlund, and I can understand that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, if he named him Kripke, it would just be too much. <laughs> I was thinking about this afterwards, and I was like, 
at the time of watching this how many people were actually paying attention to who were the writers in yeah. the episodes so by putting the names of two writers in and not Kripke because I feel like people would know Kripke mm-hmm. especially since you know the the end splash is Kripke entertainment <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> be, it might be a bit too like also moments in this where it's a little bit of a slap in the face to like fans right so maybe mm-hmm. like Kripke was like yeah, let's put other people's names on this. <laughs> Throw them under the bus. <laughs> he already put his name on the entire town. That's true, because they do end up going to Crookie's Hollow. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> the front cover of the book is my favourite thing ever. They don't do <laughs> romance novels like they do this anymore. Like the hand-painted... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fabio. The Fabio. <laughs> I've always tried to figure out which one's Sam, which one's Dean, but I think I know now. Why, why would it be difficult? Yeah, I don't know why. I... <laughs> <laughs> they both have long hair. No, they don't. On the cover, right? No, they don't. Oh. The, there's like Viking or Norse god in the background, which I'm guessing is supposed to be... Because he looks like Thor. Long blonde hair. <laughs> yep. Shirtless. And like the way he's holding the shotgun is kind of like, okay. Um, and then Dean... Presumably up front because they, you know, foreshortening so they make him look taller. (laughs) (laughs) Has short hair and like a sleeveless black shirt. And I was just like, is this not homoerotica front cover? I mean, apparently so. They imply a few times that. (laughs) You can tell it's like self published though, because like the, the way that the blurbs were written on the back of the book is just like. There's nothing but this massive description. I don't know if you've ever read any really bad pulp fiction. This looks like books I have had in my house. Like um, <laughs> really bad like 70s sci-fi kind of stuff. And the blurb on the back would be just as terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they, I actually do, I'm going to give them that. I think they've got the look of like old pulpy novels really down um, mm-hmm. in this. And then we get the title card, which is just like a montage of all the different like... <laughs> There was Scarecrow. I at first thought it was Bobby, but I think it's actually supposed to be the Benders. Oh, yes, you're right, actually. I think, yeah, I think you are right. Yeah. And then it had some other monsters as well. And then it it shows Supernatural by Carver Edmund. I don't, there were probably sketches when they were creating all these monsters, but it doesn't look like those. It looks like they recreated all of this art from all of these first episodes in this style. I love the art that the art department did this for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet they had a blast. Yeah, I'm sure they did. I'd like to see the full stack because I feel like at some point we see the full bookcase. So they've had a book for each of these episodes that they did. Whether they had cover art for all of them is yeah. a different story. I, I kind of get the sense that they weren't sure whether they wanted it to be romance novels and pulp fiction mm-hmm. or comic books and manga. Yeah. Because they live in both worlds in different scenes. Mm. So after this, when we cut to Dean sprawled out on the bed in a hotel room, looking like he has torn through every single one of his books. (laughs) (laughs) But like halfway through, like it gets to maybe like a scene that he doesn't particularly like. And he's like, nope, no more. (laughs) (laughs) But there's this very famous beloved full frontal line and it, always made no sense to me until like this month when I was watching it for doing this with you and I realized that it's not a romance novel it's it's a comic book it's a manga and then we never hear that again the whole rest of the series I I always just thought they were (laughs) describing his dick in prose (laughs) say say 
spending a lot of time on the shape and heft of his. Yeah. All right, I got it. I, got it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always thought too that it was just like, oh, they're describing this scene. But when they cut to Kripke's house, I'm sorry, when they cut to Chuck's house, <laughs> Kripke's hollow, they show, they show the printer and they have all of these pages that have been printed out. And that's why these romance novels are mm-hmm. in a comic book shop. Yeah, I. to be fair, right, so on the synopsis, because although I have the DVDs, I'm really lazy and I actually just watched this on Prime. Um, <laughs> because, um, but actually the synopsis of this episode says that they find out that their lives have been printed in comic books. That was the idea, to the intention to start with, but then they decided to go... Maybe it was too much work for the art department to do full comic books, them to flip through, so they kind of changed the idea to, like, a pulp novel. I don't know, though. I kind of like the idea of the kind of, like, terrible horror novels more <laughs> so than comic books. But th- at the same time, when you're looking at these these books, they are substantially thick for the episode. Yeah. Right? For, for me, it's implied that each book is just that one episode i cannot yeah. imagine i mean unless chuck well we know chuck's not a great writer <laughs> no, 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 but no. so he's like over describing things but chuck oh, no. is obsessed with dean so i mean half of that book is just him describing his like freckles and eye color so i mean i fully believe they could be this thick for each episode if written by chuck <laughs> sorry what was thick what <laughs> I mean, Sam says, like, they're pretty obscure. Like, no one's basically heard of these books. They started in 2005. There's no same time as the series. This is one question that everybody gets answered. Why does the prophecy start when Sam and Dean are reunited at Stanford and not in their childhood? Because that's when it started supernatural. <laughs> I, like, I know that's the reason, but, like, if we're going with the prophecy shtick... You usually see the childhood of... Of, of the prophets, not meaning people who wrote the books, but the people the books are about. They, they do, don't, they, no, I guess not. There's like one story about Moses and one midrash about Abraham. Yeah. That's when it got exciting. Okay, fine. But I just feel like there should have been some kind of build up. I don't know. It annoyed me at the time when I was watching this. I was like, why specifically that? Like, I know why, but like, also why? <laughs> <laughs> Also, was this Kripke's idea or Ben Edlund's idea? <laughs> I don't know. Well, so Julie Siege wrote this one. Yes. So yeah, really? not even yeah, so it's not even any of these writers <laughs> that are in who wrote really? this episode. <laughs> yeah. I think they all probably had to take a step back from it and be like, look, we have this idea, we need someone else to write this because we're gonna go off. Um, <laughs> that's when Ben Edlund starts writing an episode though yeah no this is not a Ben Edlund epi- written episode he hasn't got the credit for this at least it's uh, yeah Julie Siege who I don't think has written before for Super she Mac. has she has do you know which mm-hmm. episode she did she wrote oh actually the last guest podcast we had um it's a great pumpkin oh that makes sense yeah I mean Julie Siege maybe not getting enough credit from us <laughs> absolutely <laughs> And she wrote Chris Angel is a Douchebag. Oh, good. Okay. Yep. The, the, the Game Magician episode. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> <laughs> so they apparently wrote these books right up to No Rest for the Wicked, which is obviously the end of season three, um, mm-hmm. but nothing after Dean went to hell. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about it. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I reiterate, 
freaking insane. And he's now looking up like the <laughs> fan sites for these books. Um, and he says there are actually fans, like not many of them, like sort of, you know, jiving themselves with this. Although for fans, they sure do complain a lot. Yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> this is where I was like, what is this? What is this? Hmm? It's, it's the beginning of their contempt for the fans a little bit, right? There or Kripke's? Kripke's. Wow. The writers in general. Like, the writers at the time. I feel like this is, there's a different relationship now that, content creators have with their fans on tv and stuff like i think if you look at how all the quite a good example is how you look at all the social media that they've done for the boys right is this real different experience now as to what it was back in the day where i do feel like there was a lot of contempt <laughs> and i actually think there probably still is but it's more well hidden because they know they have an online presence yeah. <laughs> I mean, it can't be easy people critiquing your work, but at the same time, people weren't. This is my. I'm going off on one. People were entitled to their opinions on the stuff that you're showing on their TVs. Yeah, the comment that he reads. The demon storyline is trite, cliched, and overall craptastic. I wouldn't be surprised if that was an actual review from somebody. <laughs> That's a live journal post. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, like, critiquing a show generally means you care about it. I don't bother getting annoyed about stuff I don't care about. <laughs> right? If, if I am truly like, I don't like this. I really don't like, I don't understand it. Okay, like, for example, for me, Picard, terrible show. Absolutely despise it. Don't understand we'll save it. save a fight for after. <laughs> <laughs> don't understand how it fits into the Star Trek canon. People are free to change my mind. I absolutely love Star Trek. It's my one, my, it's my favorite thing in the whole world but I'm allowed to be kind of a little bit defensive of it. As long as I'm nice to people, I'm, I'm not going on the internet and being mean to people about it. It's in my own head and my husband has to listen to it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, some of the things they're saying here, so sounds like keep reading, it gets better. There's Sam girls and Dean girls. Which, yeah, that's very true. Where are the cast girls? Underrepresented. Well, they're not. The books haven't been released yet. Oh, that's so, true. Course. There is no cast in oh, the Carl Redwood universe. That's so sad for them. That's really yeah. sad for them. I would love to see Dean's reaction to there being cast girls. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Wait, how does that not come up in later interactions with these fans? I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't know when or if other books get published. They do because the you know the four hundredth no not four hundredth uh, three hundredth episode. Right, there's the not 300. This... That was the one with John. 200. 200. 81. The the one with the convention. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, not the convention one. The the school play one. Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh, you're right. I'll just wait here. Then it's a song. That's true. <laughs> so that must be. It probably goes through the end of season five. Yes, I feel like Becky confirms this later on. She says yeah. something that confirms how far they got in Supernatural with the Carl Radland books because there was a point that they stopped and then the fans started writing fan fiction about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In in season 10, Dean's talking to Marie and tells her what happens and she goes, that is some of the worst fan fiction I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> <That's exciting. laughs> oh, you're right though. Like this this Dean, like season four Dean reacting to Cass in That'd the book. That would be amazing. <laughs> Look, someone needs to write this and 
and tag the Purgatory podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I've asked Meg for many fan fiction prompts. And I'm, I'm just saying, I haven't seen a lot. And I will read it. I will comment on it. So, you know. <laughs> I like that Sam has already read and knows about all of this. And he's just laying back and waiting for Dean to discover it so he can watch his reaction. <laughs> I mean, you would, though, because it would be fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> What's a slash fan? I've never heard the term slash fan. Clearly, not even in the old days of live journal have I ever heard that term. I always heard the term slash fiction. Yeah, slash fiction is a, is a thing. Slash, what? A, no. Well, I guess I didn't want to say what the... No, but they say it outright. No. Oh, so what, so people can't search it? Yeah, so I don't think they want to put in Winzest, <laughs> right? You're right. I'm I'm fine with them not actually saying that word. Me too. <laughs> slash fic yeah. is a searchable term by itself. <laughs> yeah, Sam clarifies about the Sam slash Dean situation on the internet. And he's like, together, together. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is the only time that a, a TV show has ever addressed fiction. And I've been happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> Because whenever they ever do it otherwise, it's always terrible. But actually, I feel like this one is justified. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's not a, it's not a good, it's not a good fanfic to have. I'm, I'm sorry to the people who enjoy it, but it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. At some point, were they considering finding out that they weren't both John's children, and did they get rid of that because it would have justified that fiction? What? <laughs> what Sam's big secret was going to be and it turned out to be the demon blood yeah there was a minute where they told JDM when he was whispering into Jensen's ear yeah filming the end of, or the beginning of season two they told him various things to say and one of them was Sam's not your brother <gasps> yeah that's awesome I didn't know that yeah maybe that's why they dropped that <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah, they, they do, like, kind of thoroughly condemn the Sam slash Dean fiction in the show. It's, it's outright. It's, it's, yeah. it's there. Oh, come on. That, that's just sick. You know me. I'm a, I'm a live and let live kind of person, but I feel like the vitriol in the fan base makes you not able to be a live and let live person. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I wrote down the names of the 24 books. Yeah. John is not a feature in any of these <gasps> Annabelle, I love you. So Chuck replaced John yeah. in, these in these books. So John does not exist. Oh my. With Bobby. Mate. Mm. Um, so he, John exists in the background, but he's never there like a true absentee father in every single one of the things Kirky's written. <laughs> Yep. I've also had this conversation recently. It's like, I feel like when you look at some of the writing in the boys, and then you look at some of the writing in Supernatural, and you're like, maybe you should just like address the relationship you have with your father and your wife. <laughs> Outside. <laughs> he likes to say that people are always asking, and his friends were asking him, and he's like, no, I had a very happy childhood. Sure. That's what he says. Sure, man. Sure. That's why there's a tag on the internet that says, Eric Kripke, go to therapy challenge. 
he just wants to imagine the family drama that's yeah what it is. maybe maybe he did have a happy you know maybe he wanted an unhappy childhood to give him more flavor for some reason we gotta find this carver edland they give up on their research at this point and say we've got to find this carver edland and sam explains that it's an alias so no known address taxes blah 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 you know they say we, well, we've got to find them someone's got to know they go to a publisher's house who published the supernatural books and they're meeting with the publisher who we never get a name for she's prequel becky yeah she is yeah. this could have been becky basically they're, they're, they're almost the same character but she's kind of a peppy goth i kind of i kind of enjoyed her Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she's very much into the series she's like they never got the attention they deserve they're really great books anybody wants to read anymore is that romance crap you know dr sexy md have they established that dr sexy was a um a tv show Not at this yet. point i mean they're they're clearly just swinging at Grey's anatomy there <laughs> i think was their competing time slot yeah it was and it started the same year too <laughs> they're there to revive the series you know they're gonna write an article about it that's hopefully like gonna um get more people involved in it she mocks dr sexy and i want to see dean's reaction there <laughs> when he when they turn back to him he's looking at sam yeah and i'm like we were robbed yeah he's offended at her uh, making fun of Dr. <laughs> <laughs> it's cowboy boots. And she's like, you know, she's all very like, yeah, if we can get a big bit of good publicity, then maybe we could start publishing again. And they're like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, I love this publisher because she's us. She is yes. us, right? Yes. I, some of these things she said, I'm like, we've said we've this. We've said it. <laughs> yeah. So she's like, Dean's so strong, so sad and brave. <laughs> So she's clearly a Dean girl. She's clearly, yeah, 100% this woman is a Dean girl. That's why we like her. Yeah. <laughs> um, she, she brings up Maddie and Hart and is like the, the first person that Sam loves since Jessica. Um, Which, that's a bit strong, isn't it? I mean, they bring up Maddie a lot. They brought up Maddie a lot in season four. The, the last episode... Yeah. She says her favorite one is when Dean went to hell and mm-hmm. Dean is visibly offended. <laughs> but then she talks about Sam killing Madison, which was this crazy emotional moment. Mm-hmm. And there's just no visible reaction from Sam whatsoever. Yeah. He looks like like he's getting bored. And, and the last one she brings up is Dean ringing John in home. I know! <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you though, I think someone watched Jensen act that scene and were like, TV gold. Like, give him all the awards. All the awards. (laughs) Where is this Emmy? (laughs) Is that the first time that Sam learns that Dean called John and home? No. No, he found out the next episode. Yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. She says, gosh, if only real men were so open and in touch with their feelings. (laughs) Is is Dean offended that she's saying that they're not real men? Because you'd think he would be more offended that she's saying he's emotional and expresses his feelings i don't know I, that that line where he's like real man is it because he's like <laughs> is, is he worried now that he's fictional like <laughs> <laughs> not yet <laughs> yeah i feel like there was no need to come back on that and yeah how dare you say i'm a real man yeah <laughs> for all the trans dean truthers out there it should just be this moment of like Oh, she called me a real man. Yeah, that's true. Yes, that's so true. <laughs> I mean, no offense, 
How often do you cry like that? <laughs> there is a moment of introspection there. I can see it on their faces. And Dean just says, well, I'm crying on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> we know this is true. He is actually getting quite defensive because she's like, she doesn't understand why he's so suddenly really standoffish. They're there supposedly <laughs> trying to get these books restarted. And he's like being so like defense, not defensive, um, it, it standoffish. Like yeah, you would be. Right? <laughs> yeah. But this person's just like outright sort of, I don't know. Knows all of your most emotional moments. Yeah. Your fun past four years. So I think you're right. I think these are comic books because he does talk about being full frontal in Route 666. Yeah. But I said that's so... the, the thick prose. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe well, it's an illustrated series. We can, we can all be right. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Later on, it might it might be books, but they're just they keep showing pages of the comic book, which is an issue later when he's writing out the details and like really focusing on what the words say. But none of those words would have actually made it into a comic. Book. Exactly. Yeah. Which is that's why it's a good prose. Maybe there was a disagreement between the script and the art department. I don't know. Just Ben Edlund yeah. and Kripke like having a tug of war over the script. That's how I yeah. see it. That's how I see every episode in season four. <laughs> Carver is trying to, but he's not really getting there. So Dean is so standoffish that she ends up needing to give them the fandom quiz. Oh, which... The gatekeeping quiz. I mean, who yeah. hasn't been through this? I mean, I know I have. In this case, I feel it's justified because she wants them to write a positive article by people who are fans of the show, not just like random people who are finding these books somewhere and decided it'd be a cool thing of the week. Right. Not, so, do you actually deserve to be at a convention? Yeah, this is a different yeah. type of gatekeeping. So she asks about the make model of the car. I mean, come on. May 2nd is Sam's birthday. And like, Dean feels like he has to fill in his birthday too. It's like, <laughs> mine's on January 24th. It's like, yeah, okay, Dean. <laughs> she didn't ask. It's not always about you. <laughs> I feel like she asked about Sam's birthday because that's a bit more obscure knowledge than Dean's birthday. Because as we know, the skew of Dean girls to Sam girls, it swings in one's direction. <laughs> also, I don't know if they've ever actually said the date before, except that... Mary died six months after Dean Sam was born. They have said Dean's before. It was on his FBI report, I think. Well, he just needed to work in his wife's birthday. <laughs> I, I don't think like the general public would know that if you weren't like, let's look at this, let's pause the screen and look at this FBI report. Like, you know, the one where it says he's, he's 6'4". <laughs> <laughs> Chuck actually changed a lot of details going into the book. And it'd be very funny if some of the details that they knew were wrong yeah because they mm -hmm. they didn't make it in like i want the model of the car to be different actually like he had to change it because it was too gay like the original ford mustang that crookie was gonna write mm -hmm. into that would have been quite cool yeah so they asked for sam's score on the lsat and like sam doesn't know to start with he like looks at dean like he's trying to remember and he's like what 174 like he doesn't quite but he looks at dean like dean knows and you know dean does know his lsat score yeah, of course yeah. he <laughs> oh he's so proud of his yeah. child <laughs> exactly uh, so she asked dean's favorite song and he's like <laughs> it's a tie between led zeppelin's ramble on and traveling riverside blues and so they want to know carver adlin's real name and she's like no 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 He's very private, like Salinger. And Sam's like, please. And they start to unbutton his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it never occurred to me. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> she lives a bit taken aback. And I was like, oh yeah, right. This disguise is unbuttoning his shirt in her office. Okay. Um, he very reluctantly reveals his anti-possession tattoo. I like how when they do this, they always look away from the tattoo like they are ashamed. It's, I, I know you can't see me, but it's this motion. <laughs> you need to stretch so you can get that yeah. you can't do an extra button it would be too scandalous for television. well that, that's the thing because if you look at their original placement it's not that high up it's like right by their collarbone these moves mm-hmm. right they are the, the <laughs> mystical traveling tattoos these I, I swear to you and then you know, Dean shows his too, just to prove he's in the club. There was no need for him to do this, I feel. <laughs> um, but then? But then the, the lady is like, okay, yeah, fine. I'll tell you everything. I also have a tattoo on my butt. And <laughs> shows them that as well. But before she even says that, she's undoing her belt. Yeah, she's ready. Just dropping. <laughs> I mean, to be fair to her, this is... Uh, canonically a very small fan base I feel you would be extremely excited to meet other Supernatural fans in the wild and show them your butt tattoo she's already shown that butt to get the tattoo so it's true <laughs> for a long time Yeah. okay I know that now it's more common but at the time tattoos were not nearly as common and getting fan tattoos was certainly not nearly as common I wonder who was the first fan to get the antecession symbol, because there must have been someone who was the first, and I wonder if they know they have that claim to fame. I want it them to have know. been like the day after the episode aired. Oh man, um, yeah, like cast fiction. Okay, so at the time, it being way less common mm-hmm. that you have a tattoo of your fandom, at least in media, if you had that, it was evidence of being like a stalker, being <laughs> obsessive. Yeah, yeah, and. So it's kind of like, oh, well, now that I know that you're obsessed and a stalker, I'll just give you his address. That's true. (laughs) That's how it's presented. Yeah. I mean, they have their fake IDs. It says they're journalists. Surely it's fine, right? Like, he never even gives out his name, but I won't call him. I'll just send you right over. Yeah. Let's just, let's just dox uh, Chuck Shirley. Yeah. Fine. (laughs) We go to Chuck's house and we see him inside. And it's printing um, pages and pages. We see Chuck, he's wearing like boxes and a shirt with a, I call it a dressing gown. This might be a British thing. It's a it's bathrobe and an Americanism. I've mm-hmm. never called anything a bathrobe. But we see him walk in in his boxers while we hear her call him a genius. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his woman having a breakdown in a in a lifetime movie the only thing that's no, missing I mean... is that <laughs> instead of instead of drinking uh whiskey which he does in this he mm. should be drinking gin because everybody yeah. knows that's the that's the breakdown drink that's the breakdown <laughs> drink. i did not yeah <laughs> if you've ever watched did you watch um the chess the, the the chess one the netflix chess thing yes yeah. yeah when she's having like a breakdown in that but she's kind of like just dressed in her underwear and like a dressing gown so mm-hmm. still looking real glam this is this <laughs> I, uh, glam is a <laughs> relative term. <laughs> I mean, fine. Um, so we already know your opinion is skewed. <laughs> <laughs> she says his name is Chuck Shirley, and he's a genius. So don't piss him off. Yeah. 
So did Chuck write this? Does he think he's a genius? And what happens if you piss Chuck off in season four? Oh my god, he did write this. Sam and Dean approach the rundown. Like, surely he must know that's his own house. Like, why would you describe <laughs> it that way? Oh, and then he changes it to Ramshackle instead, which is worse, I guess. And says, do they really want to learn the secrets that lay beyond that door? No. Keep, keep <laughs> running, guys. They, they stop in front of his door and like look at each other. And, and his Chuck's voiceover is that they shared soulful looks. <laughs> and then they just... They just trade a perfectly, like, bored look. It's not so bored <laughs> <Yeah>. whatsoever. <laughs> so it, it's giving us an idea of the embellishment that Chuck gives to his prophecies, right? Mm-hmm. So With determination, Dean pushed the doorbell with forceful determination. Yeah, I love Chuck. He's not a good writer. <laughs> <laughs> so the doorbell rings and he gets up and he looks real worried. I mean, he knows who it is, surely. <laughs> so is is chuck a good actor because sometimes in the show he's a bad actor i think chuck, he's also a bad actor it depends whether or not chuck knows he's god if he knows he's god he's a very good actor if he doesn't know he's god i mean he's still acting here because he knows who they are <laughs> mm-hmm. if he's not god he doesn't know who they are but if he is god He's a good actor here and a bad actor later. But he knows, no, he knows who they are because he's just written that they're outside his house. Surely he must recognize his own house from his visions. You would think so. No, he yeah. knows Chuck it's Shirley. his house. He doesn't know Chuck it's his Shirley character. Supernatural books. <laughs> I'm, wait, I'm so confused why? by this. This is why my brain I'm hurts. Dean, this is Sam. He should know Dean that Sam, Sam and Dean are going to turn up at his door. Oh, but he wasn't then expecting this actually to happen. Okay, no, it's fine. My brain realized. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I get that now too. Because I was like, yeah, but he was, he's no, this is gonna, yeah, no, he doesn't know it's actually happening. It's like, if you, he's, if he's just, it's just that it happens at the same time. Also, yeah. later in the episode, things don't happen at the same time. That doesn't matter too much. But narratively, it makes sense at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Sam and Dean are there outside, and um, Dean says, I'm Dean, this is Sam, the Dean and Sam you've been writing about, and Chuck just closes the door on them. <laughs> Calls the police. <laughs> um dean rings the bell again and chuck opens the door again. like who who do you think it's gonna be man <laughs> <laughs> especially since it's like frosted glass so you can still see their outline <laughs> he thinks they're fans he says like i appreciate your enthusiasm it's always nice to hear from fans but for your own good i strongly suggest you get a life and then tries to shut the door but dean puts shoves his foot in the way and he says, here's the thing. We have a life. You've been using it to write your books. He says, is this a misery thing? Oh, yes. <laughs> Which is a novel and a movie where a deranged fan kidnaps a writer and forces them to write a sequel. I've never seen the movie, but I have read the book. So clearly a lot of fans wanted him to get Dean out of hell. Maybe it should have been a misery thing. <laughs> Think about, you know, what would have happened if they just offed God now? anyway i mean an archangel would have shown up so yeah they they kind of shove him around he he's like this you know it's not funny and dean's like damn straight it's not funny he's like real angry and sam says i'm sam that's dean they just keep repeating themselves (laughs) and chuck says like sam and dean are fictional characters i made them up they're not real so they take him outside and show him all their guns (laughs) i don't know why that would be convincing right how else would you get them to calm down (laughs) he's just like 
are you going to kidnap and torture me? And they're like, no, 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 no. Come out and look at our trunk. It's just full, full of, of guns. <laughs> <laughs> he starts with, that's real rock salt. Like, that would have been the thing that would have been fake. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. Like... <laughs> <laughs> things he picks out you're right it's like these this is real rock salt these are real fake ids like not not you know your grenade launcher this is a real <laughs> grenade launcher <laughs> get out big bertha you have to imagine that there's a moment on the way outside where he tries to close the door and lock them out you'd hope so well so obviously dean's leading the charge right he goes out the door for a front sam's behind chuck and is just like pushing him out the door surely i mean if, <laughs> if he wanted to sam could just he could just pick him up just like picking up little legs dangling. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I honestly thought that was what they were going to do in this later on in the episode. That... that they never actually like bodily pick Chuck up is an absolute crime on this show. <laughs> Rowena should. Right. Yeah. R- Rowena could have carried him like bridal style. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Manhandling God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look. Maybe if Dean had carried Chuck Bridal style just one time, maybe the apocalypse wouldn't have happened. That's all I'm saying. That's true. Yeah. God would have felt a little bit of love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all he wanted. It's, it's what, he would have got what he wanted out of the situation and they could have got on with their lives. <laughs> it is a misery thing. <laughs> the entire series is happening because he's obsessed with Dean and wants more story. It's so true. Yeah. It's just the reverse. He's literally holding them hostage in their own narrative. This is some kind of joke, right? Did that... Did Phil put you up to this? The Phil reference must be Phil Segresha. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I was thinking. The yeah. only person I could think of that that would be. And then Dean finally says, well, nice to meet you. I'm Dean Winchester, and this is my brother, Sam. And that's the thing that finally convinces him. Last names were never in the books. I never told anybody about that. I never even wrote that down. I think it's an indecisive thing. <laughs> I think he just never wanted to just to put in the book what it was at some point he must have because when we get to season 15 he talks about a grave that just says winchester yes becky definitely reacts to that i reckon casted the reveal i'm just gonna say it (laughs) (laughs) plus we've got anna Uh, no it could have been anna because she's she has that line that says you know the winchester is saved I like that. That's my new headcanon. So we go back into Chuck's house. He's drinking a large whiskey um, <laughs> and turns around and then he's like, oh, you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why would taking a drink disperse the hallucinations? Chuck says, you're not a hallucination. And he's like, nope. And he said, well, there's only one explanation. Obviously, I'm a god. And they do the full Easter egg zoom in filter. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, the foreshadowing. It's just, there's a lot yeah. in this episode. Um, you can't really get away from this, this one. This is the moment. <laughs> if they if they had backed up and it had just been the same shot as yeah. everything else, it would have just been this funny moment it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But they zoomed in to the same way that like clued me and that I needed to look up the comic from the beginning of the episode. Yeah. So to me, this is a point Chuck was always God. This is a point in that column. It makes sense. Like, yeah, I'll go with you on that because I, I add this like, this is the moment. My argument for that, I'm going to play devil's advocate throughout this, <laughs> is um, that we don't know what he, what he is, but obviously he's something because it hasn't been revealed he's a prophet yet. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing they're posing this as one of the explanations that he's some kind of 
deity because we haven't seen god yet we've seen angels they've referred to god many times so they could just be <laughs> this is the thing right because it's funny but if they hadn't wrote it we're like oh we're playing that he could be god but he's not really guys but then he ends up being god anyway so it's like <laughs> <laughs> That's not even the part that drives me insane now. It's the full, it's the full speech. Yeah. So yeah. Sam says to him, like, you're not a god. And Chuck says, well, how else do you explain it? I write things and they come to life. Yeah, no, I'm definitely a god. A cruel, cruel, capricious god. The things I put you through. The physical beatings alone. I killed your father. I burned your mother alive. And then you had to go through the whole horrific, horrific deal again with Jessica. Or for what? For the sake of literary symmetry? I toyed with your lives. Your emotions for entertainment. That's it. That's the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's the overarching plot of the series. This is this is the show. <laughs> <laughs> the line comes back in 1420. It goes, you're my favorite show. The foreshadowing as well. Like 1590, the physical beatings alone. <laughs> my friend, why would you do this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think of that. He he lays out so much that he didn't. For for me, actually, it's the literary symmetry thing, because yeah, we know this, and 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 Chuck does like confirm this later on that he's trying to basically relive that high he got from Cain and Abel. <laughs> so he's trying out the whole like symmetry thing. Like it kind of worked out. I don't know. Yeah, but the literary symmetry hasn't even been laid on at this point. No. Like, it will later. Everything that Chuck says here, that Chuck is blaming himself for here, in, like, season 11, Dean will blame Chuck for. Yeah. And yeah. Chuck will say, like, no, you can't, you don't get to blame me for any of that. Mm -hmm. But the thing that really kills me watching this episode is the literary symmetry line. Literally, the narrative symmetry at the end of the show wrote itself. It was, it was perfectly set up narrative symmetry it was all lined up the dominoes were all there all they had to do was knock it down and i'm sorry i will stop but no 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 finale true thing were no they finale true thing on, on podcast were they not able to knock down that final domino because chuck wasn't chuck anymore the literary symmetry had gone because he was no longer in power no literary <laughs> symmetry <laughs> was defying the narrative and getting rid of chuck yeah and Dean rescuing Cass from the empty rather than Cass re rescuing Dean from hell. There's definitely not a moment in this episode that mirrors that also. Not at all. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> he, go he goes on to say, did you really have to live through bugs and the ghost ship? I forgot how bad the ghost ship was. Actually, I always do forget that's one of the like worst episodes. <laughs> Red Sky in the Morning is not a great episode. It's not a great episode, but it's not as bad as bugs. There, there are worse episodes yeah. than a, a Bella heavy episode. Yeah, there could have been another one. Like, he could have mentioned the racist truck. I mean... Yeah, right? That that was But I already got to mention this episode. That's, yeah, that's true. true. I am so sorry. I mean, horror is one thing, but to be forced to live bad writing. Self-owned there, Crookie. Okay. <laughs> Why is Chuck more willing to accept that he's God than that he's a psychic? I feel like that just comes with writer territory, the ego. <laughs> <laughs> right, because it right. would mean that he's not a writer, he's just being dictated to. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely his ego. I mean, just imagine Kripke saying this moment, what is a writer if not a god? <laughs> <laughs> no, but imagine 
Okay, if, if Chuck is just the writer and just a prophet, he's getting the story downloaded into his head and translated into words, and he calls that process bad writing. So the only part that he's having a hand in whatsoever, he thinks he's doing very badly, which to be fair is what writers act like. Yeah, it's true. Everyone thinks their own stuff's bad. It's the incredible ego of it all, and also, like, I'm the worst at this. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck, you're not a god. We think you're probably just psychic. Which makes sense. They have had more dealings with psychics than they have gods, although they had have had dealings with gods. So, you know, it's not off the table. <laughs> they, they know there is, like, a biblical god because the angels have mentioned them. But multiple times. Yeah, multiple times. <laughs> Are you working on anything right now? Chuck picks up his latest work and says it's kind of weird, though. He says it's very Vonnegut. And Dean leans in and says, Slaughterhouse Five Vonnegut or Cat's Cradle Vonnegut? Sam's surprised. This goes with his, so that's the siren episode where, yes. yeah. And Dean's like, like in the Odyssey. And Sam's like, what? He's like, I read. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, Chuck explains it's more like Kilgore Trout Vonnegut because he wrote himself into it. Uh, I wrote myself at my house confronted by my characters. Okay, so Slaughterhouse Five is completely autobiographical with an unreliable narrator. Yes. Cat's Cradle is the concept of free will versus fate and a satire of religion and the apocalypse. <laughs> Again, with an, with an unreliable narrator. And he says, no, it's more like Kilgore Trout, which is from Breakfast of Champions. Vonnegut wrote himself into a book and being confronted by his own recurring character. <laughs> <laughs> when do you think... Dean started reading Vonnegut. Oh. Early. Do you think, well, I was thinking post or pre-hell? Post. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh. We can just sit with that one. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've always known his, like, dealings with fate and stuff. Like, mm -hmm. it's been there for, I would say, from the very beginning. He's never really believed in destiny and he's just found fiction to support his worldview. Yes, I agree with you. Is this episode actually a little bit more Cat's Cradle? Because it, and I, and I haven't read the books, but <laughs> I've, I've just read a little bit about them. I'm not as well read as Dean. But the narrator looks back after the events of the books and the narrator is telling you that all of the events of the book are caused by fate, mm -hmm. but it's a question and the only evidence is that the narrator said so. The book doesn't give any evidence that it wasn't, you know, a coincidence. Is fate a lie that humans tell themselves to make it their lives okay? Or is there a predetermined fate uh, that works against your own free will? That's, that's the episode. <laughs> I mean, I've not read Cat's Cradle, but I have read Slaughterhouse Five. Mm -hmm. And is the, so Slaughterhouse Five is a very strange book. If you, It's all about... I've always read it as it almost like a commentary on PTSD as well as like um, this exactly the same thing. So the idea is that this guy, he saw a lot of terrible things during the war, um, but throughout his life he gets abducted by aliens who tell him that time is a... Yes, see, uh, <laughs> you need to read Slaughterhouse. <laughs> this is what I really like. This is what always gets me when they're like, Dean's read Slaughterhouse 5 and it's all about this. And I'm like, okay, go and read it. It's wild. So throughout this, this guy's life, he gets abducted by aliens and relives other parts of his life. These aliens don't experience time as linear. 
but all of the things that are going to happen are going to happen. It's the same fate. Veronica has a thing about fate. <laughs> okay, so if if the angels are the aliens, yes, and it's actually about Vonnegut's time as a prisoner of war, right? So it supports the Chuck filter, right? Because it's all a fudged version of Vonnegut's life that is made more fantastical. Yeah. So it's, it's a very I find the book very confusing. I think it's quite a difficult read, to be honest. Um, but yeah, he's kind of explaining how. But the aliens explain to him how they have seen the whole of time and they exist in the whole of time and are stuck in that kind of thing. But they keep taking him out from the moments of his life because they, they don't experience it as linear. So they just they drag him from points. So he kind of almost has like a, a di- dissociation moments in his life. So the books all jumbled up as to him living with his wife in the like post-war to like actually having to experience it and then jumping back and forth like he because they keep dragging him out he's not then experiencing his own life as linear um Hmm. which i think goes into the autobiographical stuff but to me that's always been like a commentary on on ptsd more so than maybe being stuck in in fate Mm -hmm. (laughs) just to bring it around out (laughs) well we will know that you know dean is you know in that situation but these these books do make sense with you're right with dean's experience because they're all about fate they're all about destiny they're all about how you experience your life and what you can control about it and what you can't control about it which is why it's really interesting that he's like a big vonnegut fan (laughs) (laughs) so to me it's it's a lie it's not that it's not slaughterhouse five and not cat's cradle and it's actually Kiggle or Trout, it's actually all three. It's all of those things. Mm-hmm. Basically, and... Chuck is Vonnegut. <laughs> Wait. Or is Dean Vonnegut? Oh. Do you think Chuck wants to see himself in Dean? <laughs> <laughs> Not like that, Amy. Amy. Calm yourself down. Amy. She's Calm Amy. yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we also kind of know that's true because um, when we find out about the darkness, that's his sister, right? They have the same kind of fraught relationship that Sam and Dean have. So, yeah, I think Chuck sees himself in Dean. But I always thought that originally Sam was supposed to be Cookie's insert. and Maybe he was until Dean became more popular. <laughs> Maybe he was. I always thought Dean was really supposed to be the men that Cookie did not like, at least at first. But, you know, the womanizer who all the women are attracted to whereas sam was the good one and only coming on to women who are coming on to him first and you know yeah the nice guy syndrome uh, originally yeah it's very much like george lucas and luke skywalker right luke skywalker is also a self-insert character so it makes sense that sam would be <laughs> because <laughs> if, if we've learned anything this is star wars mm-hmm. <laughs> so two things we're keeping track of is chuck god and fate versus free will. Yeah, I'm still convinced on the Chuck is God thing. At this point, like, I think that he knows. I think he, he is, but he doesn't know. But that's just me. <laughs> that's very Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's put himself in a watch. There's a watch somewhere in the house. Yeah, that's, that's a Doctor Who reference. Um, yes. So we get to see them do something that me and Annabelle have been talking about, and I know this happened at some point, and they go to the laundromat. <laughs> yeah. 
this has this came definitely from fan comments. I know that people were like, we want more stuff of them doing domestic things together and not just fighting. You know, we want their conversations. We want to see them, you know, doing stuff like laundry. And lo and behold, they're doing laundry. Mm-hmm. I'm just having a scene from season 15 play in my head as you're talking. Oh. No. Oh, I w- yes. I was thinking the word other one, but yeah. Oh, I was just talking about her saying that he- that fans want to see them do laundry. That's true. Yes, yes. Yeah, one level. <laughs> I was thinking about Sam doing laundry in fifteen twenty. It's ruined for me now. Oh no! I yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Becky just wants to see them do laundry, and I mean, people. If Chuck ever published this book, they got to see would have gotten it. Yeah. Sam is doing the laundry, and. Dean is reading Chuck's pages that he sent them, and his brain hurts as much as ours does. I'm sitting in a laundromat reading about myself, sitting in a laundromat reading about myself. My head hurts. If you just found out that your entire life was coming through some guy's head, he was writing your life, Yeah. and either you're living his writing or he's seeing your entire life, I don't care how dirty your clothes are, you're not doing laundry right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, he hasn't read this part yet, right? So he's probably just turned to the page and they're already in the laundromat. So like, your your stuff is already in the wall. Well, he has to be there because they're in the laundromat in the pages that he's reading. <laughs> right, he couldn't have read it before he got there. Except all of the other times. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, the normal place to have an existential crisis is in your car. So, you know, why is he not true. there? Um, I don't know. I've had one in a laundromat. (laughs) (laughs) But for them. For For, for Sam and Dean. For Sam. (laughs) Dean reads it and he's like, Sam tossed his gigantic darks into the machine. He was starting to have doubts about Chuck, about whether he was telling the whole truth. And Sam's like, stop it. Stop it, Sam said. Guess what you do next? Sam turned his back on Dean. His face brooding and pensive. It also (laughs) does tell us in this that they can read each other's thoughts through these manuscripts. <laughs> Which... They can also read each other's thoughts through their brooding and pensive shoulders. Yes. <laughs> I can't see your face, but those are definitely your brooding and pensive shoulders. Like, because he says to some... You just thought I was a dick. I'm just saying, like, if I had access to this information about, a, like, a sibling, I would 100% use it to my advantage all of the time. Why? Are they not constantly flicking through this and being like, hey, you thought I was a dick again, like, two years ago when we were hunting that ghost. Like, I'm going to get you back for that. (laughs) (laughs) You're making me realize any time throughout season five, the the classic Winchester secret keeping, they could go pick up the book and find out. I guess they can't pick up the book, but they could call Chuck for for the manuscript and find out what secret Sam was keeping. No. He, no, he, because in this we learn it's not written yeah, in. Yeah. What, what, what else does Chuck leave out of the books, though? Because, I mean, there would have been... <laughs> you know that really famous um, scene of Dean and Cass staring at each other in the junkyard and there's that really slow zoom out of the camera? Like, I would have liked to have seen that in this format. Like, the <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> and whether or not Chuck would have left it in. Do you... Do you think Chuck left Destiel in his narrative in Supernatural? Yes, because Charlie read it. Not not me, Charlie. Felicia Day, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know though, because hmm, this is this is my thing. This is my thing. Chuck's supposed to be the writer of the show, so would it have always just been still subtext 
even in the books. <laughs> oh my god, my brain. Right, but in the book, gays can read subtext <laughs> and therefore Charlie understood it. Yeah, Charlie gets it. Charlie gets it. For people who are not in my brain, uh, because at some point Charlie mispronounces Castiel, and I'll never forget it. But she goes, "What about what about Castiel? He seems helpful and dreamy." And I think she canonically has a parasocial relationship with Cass. Like she goes up and hugs him the first time that they meet. Like she knows every detail about them. What characters do you think have read the books? See, I don't think Dean would have read any more other than this episode. So I think it would freak him out too much. I think Sam would just to be like, what is this crazy guy writing now? Just to like check in. I don't think Rowena knows about them, but she would have read them if she did. You're right. She can't know about them. It's yeah. important. Crowley, the second he found out about yeah. them, he read every single one. He's like, yes. what does Dean think about me? <laughs> oh. And then he has to read about all of that eye gazing between Dean and Castillo. Yeah. Well, so, and we definitely know that Cass has read them because he says, I admire your work. Yes. So Cass has actually read them. Again. <laughs> Kicky feet on the bed with the fluffy slippers. Today, <laughs> me and Dean, we, we saved a prophet. <laughs> okay, but there's a post somewhere, and if I can't find it, I'll remake it for you. That's just next to each other. Dean saying, I'm full frontal in here, man. And Castiel saying, Chuck, I'm an admirer of your work. <laughs> <laughs> Which works on two levels. Yes, I thought that too when he said that in this. I was like... Only Dean's in that room. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> we cut from them to from the laundromat back to Chuck, and he is sleeping at his desk, but he is having a vision. It looks very painful, like he's having to like forcing the vision. He sees Sam with a blonde woman. She sits and he and pats the bed, and he goes over to her, but then her eyes turn white. So oh my god, it's Lilith! Oh my god, mm-hmm. who is this for? <laughs> for us the viewer right <laughs> um is lilith wearing something different in this vision i feel like she's mm. wearing a dress i feel like she is yeah that's just a continuity error they definitely didn't mean to do that <laughs> right or is i don't know but is, is chuck imagining is chuck imagining it happening so it's going to happen. And then editing his work. Yeah, so maybe in his imagining, she was wearing something more, like, sexy than what she's wearing in the real thing. You know, they, they we're getting really into the episode, but, like, they start to do things opposite to what they think is supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. So, and then things change around them to make it happen. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it's a little bit like that. Had they followed the script exact she would have come in in a different outfit. I could also be making all of this up because I, like I, said, I don't remember. Wearing... She yeah, might be just wearing the same thing, but I just don't remember. But I swear it was inter- different. Yeah. No, it's very interesting because I, I read it the opposite way. I read it like a Greek tragedy where everything happens because they knew about the prophecy and were trying to yeah. work against it. Yeah. There's no escaping the narrative, right? So in the act of trying to escape, you are still, you are still living the narrative. Because that's already written into the narrative. (laughs) Brain. Brain. Um, But yeah, I mean, it could be a butterfly effect thing. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. We need to check her outfit. Because I was wrong. It okay. is the same outfit. Okay, fine. <laughs> as, as much as that was a fun philosophical wormhole. we made such good points, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about it more. the points. Yeah, we'll make the same points later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's the summary of the episode, though, isn't it, really? That's true. So it cuts to... I'm assuming the next day, Sam and Dean are now back with Chuck and he's sort of very anxious and he's holding some new pages. Chuck has now written another chapter. Chuck's kind of like more distressed. This is all so much easier before you were real. And Chuck is like putting it off. He doesn't want to tell them. And Dean's like, well, I didn't like hell. So like... (laughs) (laughs) And that's your fault, personally. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You can like not like telling us something, but I was in hell, so... Uh, my experience trumps yours. Like, Suck it up, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he tells them that Lilith is coming for Sam and it's going to be tonight and she's just going to show up. And he then reads the manuscript. Lilith patted the bed seductively. He's he's now decided to write it this way. Yeah, right. Right? You're correct. <laughs> like he, yeah, exactly. Because then he says, unable to deny his desire, which he already knows there's secrets being kept between them. Yeah. Yeah. Fan in those flames. Yeah. Sam doesn't have that kind of desire. He might have a desire to kill her well no exactly but he chose to write right that sam has some kind of desire it's just it's just causing friction between sam and dean thinking that sam's keeping more stuff from him and why would chuck want that unless he was already gone yeah (laughs) add your tally into your column no we, we just we just had the other one though because the he had the premonition and that all doesn't make sense unless he is just a writer so we're 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 telling both <laughs> Unable to deny his desire, Sam succumbed, and they sank into the throes of fiery demonic passion. The thing is, you know Dean is thinking about that time Sam very much in detail told him about the, the sex with Ruby. And he's like, oh, I already know too much about the fiery demonic passion. Um, like, <laughs> Do you know what's even crazier, though? Because at this point, he hasn't, like, Chuck hasn't described what Lilith looks like. Yeah. So... He's having oh, no. demonic passions with a child no. in their minds right now. No. No. <laughs> oh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. You've done your job. Yeah, because you're right. Because Dean asks. Like, yeah. Oh. I'd like it. to think that's an accident because you can see on screen that that's not what's being discussed. Yeah, exactly. It's fine. We saw, we saw the vision. We know what it looks like. So that's why they showed it. Because if they just put this line in, everybody would be like, whoa! That's true. We needed the vision. <laughs> Sam questions this fiery demonic passion. And Chuck's like, oh, it's just the first draft. Like, I just wrote it. Like, And then Dean points out, Lilith is a little girl. But Chuck clarifies that actually, no, she's a dental hygienist from a India. A comely di- dental hygienist. I hate that. If, if someone can never refer to me as comely in the whole, my whole life, like I'd be happy, actually. Thankfully. Also, she's not at all. She's not. It means a very well-rounded lady. Where are the where are the curves? It's so interesting because that's never the impression I'm given of, of that word. And now I'm I'm thinking we need to take it back as a yeah, society. I always thought of comely as like <laughs> milkmaid, and milkmaids to me in in man speak is <laughs> like nice big hips, soft boobs, soft soft, soft lady. Not that pretty is how it's always used. How Odin describes women in American Gods. So Dean asks, how does this whole psychic thing of yours work? 
and Chekhov's tuning my process. <laughs> <laughs> he really doesn't like being called a psychic, does he? No. He doesn't believe he's a psychic because, like we said, then he has no hand in what he's doing. Yeah. So he doesn't like it, so therefore he writes Cass in to correct the... Oh, no, Bray. <laughs> I'm, I'm mostly joking, but I'm also torturing Amy for fun. No, though. Okay, no, I've had, a, I've had a moment. I've had a brain moment. I mean, uh, maybe I'll bring this up later. No, I'll do it now, because otherwise I'll forget. In the act of writing himself a prophet, did he make it true? No, because he's outside of the narrative. No, Chuck's not outside the narrative. <laughs> so this is so this is your how the Doctor Who theory can still win. <laughs> yeah, he acts. You're saying he accidentally wrote himself into the narrative, thereby making him forget that he was in control of the narrative. Because he wrote that he's a prophet, so he is one. Because the things that he writes are true. <laughs> so then, where are the visions coming from? Well, they're coming himself. from himself. Him, yeah. because he wrote that he has visions. <laughs> oh, you 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 know what? No, you're probably like right. You're it's probably right. But like how how does he get out of that though? I mean, you could just write that you are God in the end. And then but that would be did, true. He already has written that he's God. Yeah. Did Chuck did, was he Chuck not God until he wrote that he was God? Is he is he is he the kid from Good Omens and also later in this own series? <laughs> yes, they say Okay, right, hear me out. Chuck wrote himself a prophet so he is one. But later he thought that was kind of lame and decided that he should write, oh, actually, maybe I was the biblical God all along. But because what he writes is true, he then does become God because he wrote it. Are you saying that Chuck <laughs> is Adam and he's pre-written the sequel to Good Omens? Yeah, he's pre—he's writing his own. So <laughs> he is God, but he's only God because he wrote that he's God. Circular. Yeah. I'm not on board, but I am happy to to ride along and have you convince me. I I love that theory. I think that's great. I think that's absolutely great. It's like the um if you've watched the latest thing of the Umbrella Academy, right? It's like the grandfather paradox. You can't go in time back in time and kill your own grandfather because then you create a paradox, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that, but the opposite. He's gone. He's he's created himself in an infinite time loop. Yeah. Creating himself? Yeah. So so Chuck was the Antichrist and then became God? No, okay, no, no, here we I'll explain once more. Chuck is God at the beginning of time. He was going along, blah 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 blah. Decided at some point to become a writer to write the Dean and Sam story. And Mary Sue himself. Yeah, Mary Sue himself. But in the process of doing that, he wrote to explain why he could do that as a self insert character, that he was a prophet. So he became one because that's how he wrote it. But then, became John Smith. Well, yeah, became Chuck Shirley. And then later on down the line, he wrote that he was God. So he reverted back to God because he wrote it. So so this is this is your completed <laughs> theory of why in this episode, according to you, Chuck does not know he's God. Yes. And why it becomes a big reveal because he, he almost like reveals it to himself. And then at the end of the episode, the framing of the episode... Who is who is framing that? <laughs> so by the end of this episode, Chuck is a prophet with no knowledge that he's God because that's how it's written. <laughs> no one has to be but on in this, But in this episode, he's written that he's no. You you mean 
These later on, he writes. He writes. Yeah, himself later being on. Yeah, the it has to be later on when when he does. It has to be before he does the reveal. To it has to be before the, Swan Song. It has to be yeah. No, because that's not in the narrative. <laughs> you don't know you haven't read the supernatural books and neither have I <laughs> you don't know when Chuck was revealed to be so, God in the supernatural books we, we do know that there's scenes in between yeah okay so there's there's four versions of all events right there's there's quote unquote the truth yeah there's what's in the show mm-hmm. there's what's in the books yeah and then there's the ghost phaser effect yeah exactly so yeah. there's there's four versions of of the narrative yeah yeah and there are things that are in the show but not the books and there's things that are in the books but not the show yeah definitely and the, the laundromat was an example because sam didn't say didn't we didn't hear sam think that dean was a dick we only knew that because he was reading it from the books so we know there's different narrative anyway. no but that did that did happen. <laughs> but it did then happen because it was written out. See? It happened right? in the show too. <laughs> because otherwise Dean couldn't have called it out. It, it happened it in the show, we just can't hear my it. Theory. <laughs> I, I really like that theory a lot though. I've watched too much Star Trek. <laughs> so in in clarifying his uh process, he says it usually starts with a headache, a really bad headache. Um aspirin doesn't work, so I drink He's again being Dean at this point. Yeah. Until he falls asleep. The first time it happened, um, I thought it had a crazy dream. It, it keeps flowing and he can't stop it. Mm. So Chuck yeah. has Winchester derangement syndrome and he can't stop working on his 500k <laughs> fig on AO3. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Chuck holds out the manuscript towards Dean mm-hmm. and Dean's like, oh, we'll just, you know, since you have it, let's just read it. And he's like, you knew you were going to ask for that. Yeah. Dean asking for his own narrative and getting handed it by God slash Chuck. What? What's what's the symbolism? I'm, I'm going to stop because it's making my own Don't brain Don't stop. <laughs> That's why we're here. <laughs> Don't stop. Chuck is really manipulative, right? Yes, Because he he's is. not giving them all mm-hmm. the details. Because no. um, they're, they're now on the road and Dean's driving and Sam's reading through the manuscript or the chapter and he just reads well okay we don't actually know how much is in there because sam reads an excerpt that says the minivan accident wasn't that bad uh but dean was still seeing stars he scratched absently at the pink flower band-aids on his face at this point dean's not having a beginning of crisis <laughs> i guess it's so that they can ramp up later yeah it's just like he's accepting all of this way too easily and not yet thinking about the implications and that's not dean yeah yeah Sam goes on to say, like, you know, I've, I've seen you bleed and, you know, you never use a Band-Aid. You just mm-hmm. use a towel and some duct tape, which makes sense. That's definitely the Winchester way. I'm surprised they don't have more scars that because of infection. But we're here. We're on TV. They Chuck have... doesn't want to mess up that pretty face. And they have, That's true. They have that hero's look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Uh, then Sam continues and says, uh, Dean slid behind the wheel of his beloved Impala and drove off. The plastic tarp on the uh, rear view window flapping in the wind like wings of a crow. Which, I read that as it was a black tarp because crows are black. Yeah. And I was like, what? Okay. But, so, in my mind, when he was quoting these things from the chapter, I was like, so Dean's going to be in a car accident, right? Yeah, like rear-ended by a minivan. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, they're Uh reading this while driving, so I was almost expecting them to get into an accident then. But yeah. they're, they're doing the build-up to, like, 
they can escape this at this moment. Like they're making mm-hmm. us believe that free will does exist in this universe. I think Dean's not having a big enough crisis yet because he doesn't know, is everything happening because it's what Dean would have chosen or is Chuck is seeing what Dean chooses or is Dean bound by whatever Chuck writes? And I think we kind of get a glimpse into that crisis that he's maybe not having in when they go to the, you know, when they're talking about being able to just do the opposite. Let's have an opposite mm-hmm. day. Because they, exactly. at this point, Dean still thinks he can escape the narrative. <laughs> right. And it's, he's literally doing this right now. Yeah. Also, up until now, everything has been in real time. Mm-hmm. So I think he's taking it as you're writing down everything we're doing. Yeah. Not, I am bound by this because it's what you've written. And it's, it's from here on out that it really changes. Mm, yeah. 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 It's like they've sort of missed. Chuck omitted this part of the chapter yeah from his vision which why would he do that knowing that they need this information unless mm-hmm. he's got it right now <laughs> <laughs> to escape fate yes they tried to leave town and this whole scene is one for fate but they're supposed to be in ohio ohio is very flat i don't care if the river is above the bridge, they can drive the other direction away from the river and leave town the other direction, except they're stupid because they're in the narrative. There's no way. There's only one bridge in a town. What is this? Once upon a time? Like, <laughs> Crippies from Akron. There's another direction to drive in. It's also like, this felt very Truman Show. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Where he tried to drive out of the the town right. and there is a ro- there's a roadblock because the same the because same thing it's an island yeah yeah um, well reference right. i'm about to bring into this one the truman show is perfect 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 i mean he the truman show has a bit more of a free will to it because it's, it is very much the man being able to do what he wants in his life but like he is restricted in it whereas yeah, this is absolutely like, right in this one it's scripted for them yeah um so yes but i mean that was the person that came to mind when they tried to escape i was like oh it's truman show <laughs> no you're absolutely at the right end of the truman show he does manage to get out at the end of supernatural he was supposed to he was supposed to <laughs> <laughs> i hate this i hate this reality we're in so yeah there's there's no way it makes sense unless there's a mountain there's no mountain it's ohio it's flat <laughs> yeah but like you said they're in the story so they're stupid and yeah. they they can't think of another way out because they're um, being forced to live bad writing <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly so then they they turn back around into town and they decide to go into a diner they're studying this thing at this point right yeah. they they've read this probably multiple times to like really figure out what they're going to do and Dean's like, oh, well, you know, this could be a good thing. It puts us on the path to Lilith, so therefore we just need to get off the path. Mm. But surely he could see that this is not going to work because they literally tr- physically tried to do this already <laughs> and were turned away. Hey, look. He still has hope. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's early oh, supernatural. Oh, they still, they still have hope. <laughs> so, yeah, he's... Dean points out, you know, it's a blueprint of what not to do. If the pages say that we go left, then we go right. Exactly. This, I'm really sorry, sorry, it's gone on another tangent. 
this line here. I don't know if you remember the Doctor Who episode with um, it's a bottle episode. It hasn't got the Doctor in it. It's just it's just Catherine Tate's character Donna. Turn um, left. Yeah, turn left. It made me think of this immediately because mm-hmm. that it's it's all of how her life and the universe would have played out if she had turned right instead and left. Mm-hmm. Um, a giant cockroach on her back. The giant cockroach. <laughs> <laughs> that moment gets called up in my head often because it's such a common phrase. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, I, 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 it's, it's telling of this, right? Because we do get to You're see yeah, <laughs> through, <laughs> um, points in the season of like what would happen if they metaphorically turned right. And yeah. it never kind of turns out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Dean's like, okay, we're having opposite day. You know, we we get into a fight, so we're not going to get into a fight. There's no research for you. And Sam says, and no bacon cheeseburger for you. <laughs> so the waitress comes over and asks, you know, what, what they want for food. The waitress says that the cheeseburger is the best. And Sam gets the cob salad because, of course, he does. I don't even know what that is. It sounds it's like just, an American thing. This is salad. It's an American thing. It's like yeah. iceberg lettuce and then all of the things you can put on top, including bacon. I'll say like this. this is, okay, fine. It's, if Dean would order a salad, he would get that salad. Okay, fine. <laughs> Which, why would you not also just get the same thing? Like, if you're not supposed right. to have a burger, then right. get a salad. I mean, that's, like, the, that's the opposite day. That's the anti-Dean thing to do. Maybe he's traumatized by the last episode. You know, he was on that health cleanse. Yeah. So he was like, never again. That thing's that's not going to fill me up. And Kyan did a number on his like, Did you just watch Dean system. Smith? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's the one before this episode, which is wild. <laughs> so D- Dean decides to order the veggie tofu burger. Um, Why would you put tofu in a burger? not a thing. No. No one would, in their right mind would put tofu in a burger. Anyway, no I think one. they just want it to be like, what's the most opposite thing that Dean would ever do? Vegetables and tofu. Salad. Yeah. You're right. But it had to be in a burger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise he wouldn't know how to eat it. <laughs> Fork and knife? What is this? <laughs> so that they could have the, the switcheroo moment. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Sam calls the idea of him hooking up with Elizabeth ridiculous, and Dean gets sarcastic, and he's alluding to Ruby here. Yeah. And I have this moment because that means we're confirming that Dean knows that Sam and Ruby had sex, which in like season 15, he acts like he never had any idea. Oh, no, he definitely knows. Okay, yeah. so in the, the, that, that must be a retcon because he definitely knows there was a whole scene where sam describes him having sex with ruby right and like dean's like that was way too much information man i didn't need to know that <laughs> right so so to me because of season 15 i had a i was questioning that moment and this confirms for me that dean got that far and knows that yeah he definitely did it was i can't remember what episode it was one we've done recently i yeah i i remember hmm. they should have done a better job convincing us that ruby was on their side for the for it to be a shock they should have <laughs> they should have been the original you know, team free will. Yeah. yeah. It's like an angel, a demon, two brothers in the car. We're off. <laughs> we should have been finally convinced and then it gates counteracted. Yeah. Yeah. Dean is trying not to get into a fight with Sam. And so he gets like proper and his English gets, gets proper and formal. It frustrates me when you say such reckless things. Well, it frustrates me when you'd rather hide than fight. 
They're doing like the marriage counseling talk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm frustrated. <laughs> and then the waitress brings over their food and gives Sam the cob salad. It is interesting that Chuck decides to name what Dean is eating and not what Sam's eating because Sam, like, there's no mention that Sam has to have a cob salad. Because Sam's not fighting the narrative. <laughs> That's true. Not yeah. at this point. Mm. Then the waitress gives the veggie burger. Now, I don't know if anyone has seen what a veggie burger looks like. Like hmm. back in 2008. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I was gonna it was say. not an impossible burger. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, like just chunks of corn and, and broccoli right. in it. Especially if it's a tofu veggie burger. You would be able to see the bacon for one. Because we know that Sa- Dean looks at his food before he eats it. Yeah. He doesn't just shove it in his mouth. He likes to turn the thing around and find the best bite. We've talked about this before. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I've caught myself doing the same thing now. I'm like, I I think everybody maybe eats a burger like this. It's just Jensen's very good at acting it. (laughs) You do, you turn it and look at it and you're like, oh yeah, okay, this is the bit where the sauce isn't like going to like squirt me in the face if I bite in it. Maybe he's just stretching it out so he preserves things for continuity. He doesn't take as many bites as he would That's in person. True. That's more likely what it is, yeah. Aww. But Dean takes a bite of this burger. He's like, oh, this tofu is amazing. I've been converted. The waitress comes back over and says, actually, no, that was a mistake. That was actually the cheeseburger. So he lived through the, the eating of a cheeseburger, but like not really because he only took a bite. Does that still count? Because he could have spat it out. But, he wouldn't have ate it then. But also that means that most of the scene is left out of the book. Yeah. Specifically to manipulate them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they, they pull up to a very sleazy hotel that pays by the hour. So it is a most definitely a 2000s sex worker hotel. I'm pretty sure they still exist. I love hotel. I say cool them in Japan. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're usually quite nice <laughs> those in japan these are gross these are gross sam um, reacts to it like he's never stayed anywhere worse in his life <laughs> they definitely have so they definitely have yeah or just as bad which then also implies that there is a motel in town called the red motel i don't know i think dean just pulled into the first motel that wasn't the red motel right They've been pretty dumb in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh I I figure also there's there's a rhyme and reason to where they would normally stay. And this is not... Like, there's a better motel somewhere that had better escapes. It's where they would usually go. And they're choosing this one instead. Also, talk about dumbness. This hotel's literally, like, lit in, like, the reddest light you've ever seen in your whole life. Like, so even if it's not called the Red Motel, it's a Red it's Motel. It's a Red Motel. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah it's not the true. Red Roof Inn, <laughs> which is actually a Red Motel chain. So Dean starts to lift-proof the room by putting hex bags around. Who gave them the hex bags? We don't know. Probably Ruby, but yeah. So they've been just carrying them around with them the whole time. I think she gave them to them a little while ago and said that they would keep Lilith away. So maybe they have probably just been carrying them around with them. but what... Which makes sense as to why Lilith wouldn't know where they are. Yeah, I was like, aren't they just carrying them on their person at all times? Like, why do they have to 
specifically put them in a place for them to work so that they get mentioned for us <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. um dean says you know you're not gonna do any research so just you know watch some pay-per-view dean goes to his bag pulls out his laptop and like says just call it a little insurance <laughs> it's a sign of the time that dates the show that he says watch some porn and then take Sam's laptop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> porn was on the motel TV. You could, could add it to your room charge. Yeah, he's only taking. And of course, this place has that. <laughs> it's a hooker hotel. Of course, it does. <laughs> Dean leaves the room and because um, in the script it says that he goes driving around, so he's going to go park the car. Behave yourself, would you? No homework. Watch some porn. He's so pleased Where with himself. Where was the car before he went to park it? I, yeah, park. I don't know why you wouldn't just keep it parked and just stay in the room, but. Or like just walk from the motel. I mean, I don't know, America, like maybe it's hard to walk from the motel. But as Dean drives away, um, the Toreador changes to red. So they are now at the red motel. Quite literally, beyond the colour of the actual place. <laughs> um, Dean parks the car and walks. He's he's looking around suspiciously, like this doesn't feel right. But I'm still gonna walk away from my car. Two minutes later, you're right. Why wouldn't he have just left his car at the motel? <laughs> right. It was already there. I. It makes no sense. He's compelled to drive the car. Yeah. Like he, yeah, I don't know. It's very, very bizarre. Um, Dean sees the two teenagers trying to like break into the car. These were the teenagers he was worried about in Yellow Fever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> his fear came true. He did leave his lap, his, you know, Sam's laptop on the front seat of the car, obviously. So that's probably why. Hmm. It was broken into, oh, surely. Oh, that's valid. I mean, that's my that's my head cannon from it. He just put it on the front seat and was like, yeah, it's fine. Um, don't do that. <laughs> and as he turns back round, he gets hit by a van um, and gets knocked to the ground and, and is unconscious. Uh, we come back to the motel and Chuck is... Sam has invited Chuck over, which... Does this count as research? Because he's researching himself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's your answer. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Yeah. Hi, Purgatory Pals. Editing Annabelle here. Uh, this episode is a little bit of a long one, so we've decided to split it in two. Um, so this is the first half, and uh, next week we will give you the second. See you next week. Bye.